Why am I thinking of former St. Louis Blues tough guy Tony Twist? Maybe because of the twists and turns to the narratives in this week's games. I could say we saw this coming to an extent, but even this was a bit over the top to the expectation level. Colorado and Minnesota are officially playoff bound with Vegas. St. Louis and Arizona are keeping it interesting as to who ends up with the final West Division playoff spot available. Buckle up for the West Division stretch drive to the playoffs. This week, West Division, a wrap of last week's games from Tuesday to this past Monday. I'm your host, Tim Bigelow. The focus of the podcast is with analysis for the focus teams, Arizona, Colorado, Minnesota, and St. Louis. Four of the eight teams that will make up the Central Division in 2021-22. The four currently playing in the West Division this season with Vegas, LA, Anaheim, and San Jose, usually Pacific Division teams. We talk about them because of this year's interdivisional play and mostly playoff-bound Vegas. Vegas will play one of the focus teams in the first round, and if they do advance, one in the second round, as three of the four focus teams will be in the West Division playoffs this year. Both Colorado and Minnesota officially became West Division playoff-bound teams with Vegas this week. Only one playoff spot remains with St. Louis and Arizona battling for it. Recorded Tuesday evening, April 27th, The podcast, like last week, includes the Monday night games between Colorado and St. Louis and Arizona's game against San Jose, trying to get it edited before Wednesday's game. The Monday cutoff works better with the teams all off on Tuesday again this week. A quick update on Vegas as they are first in the West with a 745 point percentage. They are first, 34-11-2. 47 games played, 70 points, and a West Division best plus 57 goal differential. They have a current nine-game win streak. It puts them four points ahead of Colorado, but with two more games played. They are five points ahead of Minnesota in the West Division standings in the same amount of games played heading into Wednesday's games. In a perfect world, with all due respect to Vegas, solely being a Pacific Division team, If I had the time to fully cover them this year, instead of just seeing them against the four focused teams, as I did, it would have been beneficial. That said, it's trying to watch San Jose and Anaheim games as it is this year, and when the playoffs arrive, I will have seen Vegas against every team they can possibly match up against through the West Division playoffs head-to-head, and I was far less knowledgeable on Vegas a year ago when they entered the bubble in Edmonton for the playoffs, to be sure. I have added background theme songs for the teams, an idea I had for the Discover Central and a Touch of True North edition last week. Due to copyright costs, the songs aren't actually in the podcast. They're just suggested for you to find and listen to in the background or later on or not at all. Just trying it out, seeing how that works. This week, we start with Minnesota simply for going undefeated and having the better overall week of the playoff-clinching West Division-focused teams. Colorado will follow second. 
Minnesota are currently on a seven-game win streak. That includes the three wins on the road that punched Minnesota's ticket to the playoffs this past week in the West Division. Here's Minnesota's expanded West Division standings look. Minnesota, a 691 point percentage, third since the last podcast, 3-0-0. Overall, 31-13-3, 47 games played, 65 points, 151 goals for, 123 goals against, for a plus 28 goal differential. Game recaps, Minnesota extended their win streak to five games in Arizona. Let's look at the game summary. Wednesday, April 21st, a 4-1 win at Arizona. 2.46 into the first, a Minnesota goalie, Cam Telvet makes a pad save as Arizona's Derek Broussard tries to jam it in, parked in the crease after Christian Fisher's wraparound is paddled away. 4.55 in, Arizona's Clayton Keller slot blast, and another pad stop is made by Minnesota goalie Talbot, 5.10 in. 7.38 in, Arizona get a power play goal, Christian Dvorak net side, able to bank it off of Talbot short side off the pad. Arizona held a 12-1 shot advantage at that point in the contest. 2.30 left. Minnesota's Marcus Johansson off the rush from the circle forces Arizona goalie Darcy Kemper to make a glove save. 1-0 Arizona after 1. 2.58 into the second. Minnesota goal as Kevin Fiala finishes a 2-on-1 with Nico Sturm's sauce pass going backhand roof. 4.52 in, Arizona's Lawson Krauss drives the net, but his backhand is broken up by Minnesota defenseman Jonas Brodeen's back check. 7.49 left, Minnesota Zach Parisi has stopped a net side on a three-way passing play. 12 seconds left, Arizona's Dryden Hunt circles behind the net from the circle, wires it, crossbar post and out. One all through two. 4.32 into the third, Minnesota's Marcus Felino. Goes up the wing, off the rush, and scores short side over Kemper, pad under the blocker. 5.44 in, Minnesota goalie Talbot, glove save on an Arizona 3-on-2 high slot shot by Jason Demers. 1.47 left, Minnesota's Kirill Kabrizov rings the post on a 2-on-1 keep. Seven seconds later, on an Arizona neutral zone turnover, Minnesota's Matt Zuccarello springs Kaprizov, and he goes around the net and tucks the wraparound five hole on Arizona goalie Kemper with Oliver Ekman Larson also trying to stop it from going in as well. 12 seconds left Minnesota add an empty net goal by Sturm for the 4-1 Minnesota win. Arizona outshoots Minnesota 41-23. Minnesota 0 for 1. Arizona 1 for 2 on the power play. Minnesota goalie Talbot one goal against 39 saves for the win. Arizona goalie Kemper three goals against 19 saves taking the loss. Minnesota game perspective, Cam Talbot was stellar in the win. Arizona had one goal in a 12-1 shot on goal advantage early in the first. The game was tied at 1-2, through while Arizona had a 31-16 shot on goal advantage at that point. Key saves, big saves by Talbot. And Minnesota took advantage of their opportunities, including a big play from Kirill Kaprizov to score three third-period goals as Talbot shut the door. Minnesota wins the first game of back-to-back games against different teams in California, the first one in L.A. Let's look at the game summary. Friday, April 23rd, a 4-2 win at L.A. 5-19 into the first, Minnesota's Marcus Johansson with time has his high slot bid ring iron. 7:44 in Minnesota's human highlight reel, Kirill Kaprizov 1-1 one one, puts the puck between his legs going up the wing to create separation then drives to the net and puts the puck short side and up on L.A. goalie Cal Peterson. 
One second left, L.A. goal on a face-off win after hitting the post off the cycle. The puck is put to the slot and past Minnesota goalie Cam Talbot, glove side along the ice. One all after one. 6.41 into the second Minnesota power play goal. Kaprizov from the circle goes high glove. 6.58 in, L.A.'s point shot goes into the net as a L.A. player falls going through the Minnesota crease and takes Minnesota goalie Talbot out. No goal, ruled incidental contact, no penalty. 9-17 in, Minnesota goalie Talbot makes a glove save on L.A. net side backhand chance. Eight minutes left, Minnesota Zach Parisi denied all alone net front. 5.58 left, Minnesota goalie Talbot save on an L.A. 3-on-2. 4.08, Minnesota goalie Talbot doesn't allow L.A. to jam it in on a net front scramble on an L.A. power play. 2-1, Minnesota through two. 8.41 left in the third, Minnesota's Nick Medino wraparound is pushed away by L.A. goalie Peterson's paddle of his goal stick, but Nico Sturm in the crease tucks it into the open net. 4.43 left, L.A. goal on a wraparound as well. Minnesota defenseman Jarrett Spurgeon's defensive stick makes contact, helping lift the L.A. effort up for a short side goal. 2.23 left, Minnesota's Jonas Bernin takes a delay of game puck over glass penalty. Minnesota killed off playing 6-on-4 with L.A.'s goalie pulled. Back to 6-on-5 with 10 seconds left. Minnesota's Joel Eriksson from Minnesota's zone pots the in-between periods cardboard cutout car winner style empty net goal for the 4-2 Minnesota win. L.A. outshoots Minnesota 42-24. Minnesota 1-for-2. L.A. 0-for-3 on the power play. Minnesota goalie Talbot 2 goals against, 40 saves for the win. Minnesota game perspective. While the save total for Talbot is just as impressive as the game against Arizona was, it was more quantity by L.A., less quality as far as L.A.'s actual high-danger scoring chances. Minnesota, with less shots, had many good scoring chances and made good on them. Again, Kaprizov scores one of his Two, making a poster out of a pretty good L.A. defenseman for what is becoming a highlight reel career nightly goal. The next night, Minnesota finish off the three-game road trip, 3-0, and extend the team's current win streak to seven games in a 6-3 win in San Jose, and that officially punches the team's ticket to the playoffs. Saturday, April 24th, 6-3 win at San Jose. 19 seconds into the first, Minnesota's Ryan Suter off the rush goes up the wing and from the circle opens the scoring short side on San Jose goalie Martin Jones on Minnesota's first shot on goal. 8.08 left, Minnesota goalie Capo Kakinen makes a high tip slot shot save. Eight minutes left, Minnesota goal Marcus Foligno net front tip on a pass from Joel Erickson Eck off the rush. 2.17 left, Minnesota goal from the circle. Jared Spurgeon finds a soft swap between three San Jose players and scores far side low blocker. 3-0 Minnesota after one. San Jose pull goalie Martin Jones after the first as he allows three goals against with five saves. San Jose goalie Joseph Kazenosh comes in relief. 10.40 left in the second Minnesota Goalie Kakinen makes a glove save off a San Jose partial rush. 50 seconds left. Minnesota goal as a point shot rebound is batted in backhand by Kevin Fiala short side. 4-0 Minnesota through two. 119 into the third. Minnesota goalie Kakinen makes a great short side save, but the rebound is put in for a San Jose goal. 428 in Minnesota goal. Kirill Kaprizas, one-tiner goes blocker side from the slot. 19 seconds later, San Jose goal off the point shot backhand 
rebound redirect. 19 seconds later, a Minnesota defensive zone turnover leads to a San Jose goal from the circle short side roof. 7.37 left Minnesota's Erickson Eck 2-on-0 denied with Jordan Greenway. 22 seconds left, Minnesota's Nick Benino nets an empty net goal from the defensive zone off the sidewall and down for the 6-3 Minnesota final. 30-26 shot San Jose, Minnesota 1-for-3 on the power play, San Jose 0 power plays, Minnesota goalie Kakinen 3 goals against 27 saves for the win. Minnesota game perspective. Minnesota held an 8-4 shot and goal advantage and a 3-goal lead after 1, 4-0 through 2 on the scoreboard. I've never said San Jose can't score goals. They do also give up way more than they score. It was the typical San Jose game I've watched all year. Teams so far up, they lay off the gas and San Jose score some goals, but the final outcome is usually never in doubt as it was on this night in the Minnesota win. Minnesota's overall analysis, background song recommendation, The Contender by the Glorious Suns. Minnesota is on a season-high seven-game win streak. That is most impressive as the last three games were on the road where Minnesota hasn't been as dominant as they have been at home this season. The league made a schedule adjustment that has Minnesota play St. Louis three games this upcoming week and a pair in St. Louis to close out the regular season. The San Jose road win clinched Minnesota's ticket officially to the postseason, the third West Division team to do so this season. They still remain behind Colorado and Vegas, but finishing first in the West Division isn't out of the possibility for this Minnesota team. In addition to a lot of games to play against St. Louis, Minnesota has two against Anaheim and two against Vegas. It's a favorable schedule. The next seven are at home with the final two on the road. Because the distance behind Vegas is still within range with the two head-to-head games to play, Minnesota winning those while continuing to finish strong could bridge the points that they are behind Vegas. Vegas also still plays Colorado twice. So if Vegas is getting two points, then Colorado isn't and vice versa. There is enough games between the three teams for how the head-to-head games left can determine the seeding entering the playoffs. In net, Cam Talbot looks to be in top form. A 2.33 goals against average and a .926 save percentage, while Capo Kakinen has also in his last two appearances as he settles into the backup role in the stretch run look good. His 2.68 goals against average and .910 save percentage are above the league average for net minders as well. And those are both the goalies numbers to date the defense has been consistently good and the addition of ian cole bolstered a solid group that all returned from last year which was a big advantage to minnesota with the changes up front coach dean evison has found his line magic to cause fits for the less deep west division teams matchup wise as far as those forwards are concerned and we talked about that at length last week Really, only the three teams that secured playoff spots have that depth luxury within their forward group. Even St. Louis seems less deep by the fourth line than Minnesota does currently. Minnesota fans should be prepared for a misappropriated national media underdog tag simply because those media people haven't paid attention to know that this team isn't an underdog. Just keep in mind, Vegas and Colorado are two cup darling media teams since the season start. Minnesota is ruining their narrative, 
and that may be giving me more enjoyment than I originally anticipated it would. I said that this was the team not to sleep on when the season began. They've done even better than I was anticipating that they can't be considered underdogs. They are a real contender to come out of the West Division come playoff time. If you want intrigue for the West Division playoffs, Minnesota is going to be the team most likely providing it. Like after enjoying your favorite indie rock band and realizing that they are about to go mainstream, if you're a Minnesota fan, the NHL is about to pay attention to Minnesota this postseason while saying they were on board since the beginning. Minnesota's team metrics, 2.6 goals allowed is 8th. That improved a ranked spot since the last pod. The penalty kill is up 2 spots to a tie for 3rd and an 84% kill success rate. At 3.19 goals scored, ninth. That's up 3 ranked spots league-wide. The power play improved to 18.6% from 18, putting them up to 22nd overall for the year. Minnesota's useless factoid. Rookie human highlight reel Kirill Kaprizov's 19th goal of the year in the 4-1 Minnesota win in Arizona set a new franchise mark for rookie goal scorers for Minnesota. How high will the new mark be is probably the better question. Kaprizov is at a team-leading 22 goals for the year so far now, and his 41 points also leads Minnesota in 47 games played. The only disappointment is that Kaprizov's rookie season is a shortened schedule one. The new rookie goal franchise mark may be set at 30 goals with nine games to go. It surely would have potentially been 40 plus in a full 82 game schedule. Thumbs up, Cam Talbot allowed one goal against making 39 saves in the win in Arizona. He followed it up, allowing two goals against while making 40 saves the next game in LA. Two wins while facing 40 shots or more in each game. It was the fifth game Talbot has allowed two or less goals against in a row. The goaltending has been a big role in Minnesota's current seven-game win streak. Thumbs down, the first half of the third period against San Jose, where San Jose scored three goals to Minnesota's one. Although, admittingly up 4 nothing with the game well in hand, it was a reminder that Minnesota needs to play a full 60 minutes. After the three goals against, Minnesota responded and finished the game strong, picking up the win. Additional Minnesota news, center-right winger Ryan Hartman signed a three-year extension with Minnesota. The three-year $5.1 million extension will bring down his annual average valuation, AAV, to $1.7 million per season. He was in the final year of his current $1.9 million contract. Hartman, in 42 games played this season, has six goals, 13 assists for 19 points in 14 minutes, 48 seconds average time on ice per game. This is his second season with Minnesota after brief stints in Philadelphia, Nashville, and Chicago, who drafted him in 2013 in the first round 30th overall. No one is listed on IR heading into Wednesday's game. Up next, four games, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday versus St. Louis, Monday versus Vegas. First game of the set of two between the teams that we will cover in the next West Division podcast that Monday game versus Vegas. Away, 14-9-3, Minnesota is. At home, they are 17-4-0. Oh. 
and they are currently on a seven-game win streak. You would think the time off is good for Minnesota. They still need to show up on time come Wednesday. St. Louis is an unpredictable, desperate team that has come to realize they aren't in a good position to make the playoffs unless they're winning games. They are finally playing like they need to. And if you think Minnesota's win streak is good, it damn sure is. But Vegas will head into Wednesday on their West Division best nine-game win streak. They will play three prior to meeting Minnesota, like Minnesota is playing against St. Louis before those two teams meet. Is it possible both streaks are still intact? Come Monday, we'll find out. Next, we look at Colorado, who without their MVP starting goalie and their leading scorer, fell from top spot in the Honda West, going 1-2-0 against St. Louis. More of a hit to Arizona than it was to Colorado, who, with the first win in the set of three, clinched the West Division playoff spot. Still, the set against St. Louis was a shocker, especially when they won the first game back from their recent pause. The expanded standing looks at Colorado in the Honda West Division. Colorado 7-17 point percentage, second since the last podcast, 1-2-0. Overall 31-11-4, 46 games played, 66 points, 162 goals for, 112 goals against, a plus 50 goal differential. Game recaps, Colorado goes 1-2-0 with their lone win in the first game of the three on the road in St. Louis to first clinch a playoff berth, but then drop two for what can only be described as a disappointing week. Here's the game summaries. Thursday, April 22nd, a 4-2 win at St. Louis. 3-18 into the first St. Louis power play goal. Jaden Schwartz, short side, lifted goal on a one-touch pass from Tyler Bozak on Colorado goalie Devin Dubnik. St. Louis has a chance to clear the defensive zone with 32 seconds left, but have a turnover at their blue line, allowing Colorado's Brandon Saad to score on a forehand backhand tuck from the top of the paint on St. Louis goalie Jordan Bennington. One all after one. 2.17 into the second, Colorado's Nazem Kadri is stopped on a dot-to-dot one-timer on the power play. 2.28 in, Colorado's Connor Timmins shot is blocked from going in short side by St. Louis's Justin Falk after St. Louis Goalie Bennington stops Colorado's shot on goal by Carl Soderberg. 6.45 in Colorado power play goal. Andre Burakovsky's net side tap in short side after the puck goes off the end boards to the front of the net. 6.55 in Colorado crash the net after St. Louis's Jordan Cairo shot has it laying in the crease. 12.49 in St. Louis's Vince Dunn gets a delay of game penalty for puck over glass. 20 seconds into the penalty kill, St. Louis's Marco Scandello puts the puck over the glass, but they don't call a penalty. 3.59 left Colorado's Kale McCarr stopped on a wraparound. 2-1 Colorado through two. A minute into the third, Jordan Bennington comes out to play a dump in, and Colorado's Tyson Joe steals it cleanly and forces Bennington to make a stop well out of his crease. 3.35 in Colorado's Sod stopped on a breakaway, 11.29 in. Colorado's Burakovsky gets his second of the game as Colorado's forecheck creates a turnover and a net side, short side, open cage goal. 6.17 left St. Louis goal off the rush. Schwartz from the circle, short side over the pad under the blocker. 1.31 left Colorado's Pierre-Edouard Balmer gets an empty net goal as Colorado wins 4-2. 29-27 shots Colorado. Both teams 1-5 for five on the power play. Colorado goalie Dubnik 2 goals against, 25 saves for the win. St. Louis goalie Biddington, 3 goals 
goals against, 25 saves and loss. Saturday, April 24th, a 5-3 loss for Colorado at St. Louis. 31 seconds into the first, St. Louis's Braden Chen takes a high-stick penalty. 23 seconds after, St. Louis's Robert Bertuzzo takes a two-minute roughing penalty. Colorado has an early 5-on-3 power play. 137 in Colorado power play goal, Kale McCars, high slot boss, goes top shelf glove on St. Louis goalie Jordan Bennington. 256 in St. Louis goalie Bennington stops Colorado's Devin Taves in close. 301 in Colorado's McCarr misses a wraparound. Puck goes to Gabriel Landeskog Park net front. He fires it in for a Colorado goal. 554 in St. Louis goalie Bennington pad stop on Colorado's Nazem Kadri. 708 in St. Louis's Sammy Blay rings the post glove side from the circle. 830 in St. Louis's Vladimir Tarasenko drives the net, but he can't put it away as he crosses the crease with a chance. 949 in St. Louis goal, Ryan O'Reilly on the forecheck wins a puck battle with support from Braden Chen against Colorado's Nathan McKinnon in the corner. O'Reilly's attempted pass to the net front goes off a Colorado defenseman Taves skate and past Colorado goalie Devin Dubnik short side. 12:40, St. Louis O'Reilly gets his second of the game. Backhand roof as Colorado can't clear the defensive zone and with way too much open net to shoot at, given by Colorado goalie Dubnik. 2-12 left, St. Louis go off the rush. Ivan Barbashev's first shot is stopped. Big rebound, his second shot and goal is saved with another big rebound that goes off of a player skate at the top of the crease to Barbashev, net side, who has an open net for his third shot and goal to score. That goal is entirely on Dubnik for his lack of rebound control entirely. 39 seconds left, Colorado's Taves short side post. Two seconds left, Colorado's Burakoski rings the far side post. After going up two goals, Colorado give up three for St. Louis to be up three to two after one. St. Louis defenseman Colton Pareko does not return for the second period. St. Louis had dressed an 11-7 lineup, so they still had six defensemen available for the rest of the game. Eight minutes into the second, Colorado's McKinnon slot shot on a two-on-one try is stopped, but he draws a penalty. Ten seconds after, Colorado Colorado on the power play. McKinnon's one-timer from the top circle goes bar down short side for a Colorado power play goal. 10-0-2 left. Colorado's defenseman Samuel Girard jumps up into a rush for a breakaway. Puts it skate to stick in close but is stopped. 7-34. Colorado's Brandon Saad net side can't jam in the rebound. 5-44. Colorado's McKinnon wires it crossbar post joint short side. 3-all through 2. 9.42 in Colorado's Nazem Kadri gets an offensive zone holding penalty for St. Louis defenseman Justin Falk holding Kadri's stick. Simply a shit call. 11.11 in Colorado's Ryan Graves gets his stick caught in St. Louis's Jaden Schwartz skate and he goes down. This is a penalty, but if Colorado wasn't shorthanded, would Colorado have been in the defensive zone for Graves to take the second penalty? Probably not. Five on three power play for St. Louis. 11-19 in St. Louis. Power play game winning goal. Mike Hoffman one timer far side from the circle. 7.50 left. Colorado goalie Dubnik makes two big saves on Tarasenko while Colorado is still shorthanded. 5.08 left. St. Louis's Schwartz is stopped in close. 135 left. St. Louis get an empty net goal. O'Reilly up the wing for his hat trick goal. 31-30 shots for Colorado. St. Louis one for four. Colorado two for five with the power play. St. Louis goalie Bennington three goals against 28 saves for the win Colorado goalie Dubnik four goals against 25 saves for the loss Monday April 26 a 4-1 loss for Colorado at St. Louis 
4.51 into the first, St. Louis's Robert Thomas breakaway is stopped. 9.25 in, St. Louis's Vladimir Tarasenko second effort net front opens the scoring on the power play. 9.20 left, St. Louis's Tyler Bozak can't get the backhand past Colorado goalie Jonas Johansson, short side off the rush. 6.26, St. Louis goal off the forecheck from behind the net for a Braden Shen one-timer from the circle put far side. 2-0 St. Louis after 1. 1.13 into the second, Colorado's Nathan McKinnon's point shot from the circle stopped by St. Louis goalie Jordan Bennington's shoulder. 5.41 in, St. Louis's Jordan Cairo from the circle on the forecheck off a defensive zone turnover puts it net front. 7.02 in, St. Louis goal. David Perron with a net front tip on a Justin Falk point shot. 7.46 in, Colorado's Gabrielle Landeskog's backhand is stopped. 8.24, Colorado power play goal. McKinnon goes short side roof from the low circle on a net front cross crease pass from Landeskog. 10.53 in, St. Louis's Robert Thomas from the slot goes far side lifted with the wrister goal off the cycle. 4-1 St. Louis through 2. 2.19 into the third Colorado's Kiefer Sherwood is stopped on a rebound slot chance. 8.57 left St. Louis's Ivan Barbashev stopped on the back door setup. 7.31 left St. Louis's Jake Wallman puts it off the short side post on a two-on-one with Tarasenko in a scoreless third. 4-1 St. Louis final. 32-20 shot St. Louis. St. Louis 1-for-2. Colorado 1-for-4 with the power play. St. Louis goalie Bennington 1 goal against. 31 saves for the win. Colorado goalie Johansson 4 goals against. 16 saves for the loss. Colorado game perspective. Ian Colorado's 4-2 win. The compete level was there and Colorado led 2-1 after 2. They also had a solid game from goalie Dubnik in the 5-3 loss Saturday. That was fully to me on goalie Dubnik who had juicy rebound goals and positionally bad ones. No surprise then to see Johansson get the nod in the 4-1 loss and that I'm not hanging on Johansson. That was a lack of compete from Colorado. St. Louis came to play worked harder, and won that third game. Don't let the shots fool you. The teams had a more equal quality amount of chances. It was good shots and effort plays that St. Louis scored on. Not out of position, juicy rebound goals. But Colorado didn't match that compete level, and that's why they were down 4-1 to through 2 and weren't able to come back. Colorado's overall analysis, background song recommendation, Better Than Ever by Flight Facilities. Goalie Philip Grubauer is off of the COVID-related protocol absence list and practice Tuesday. How much time will he need to get back to game shape? Not sure. How much time will it be for him to be at his MVP form that he left at? Colorado's ability to go on a run and Grubauer are intertwined, as I talked about last week. This week, we have simply have a 1-2-0 week without Gruby in that as proof to that statement. Adequate, average at best, has Devin Dumnik been in his three starts, 2-1-0. One game with two goals against, the others three goals against, and four goals against respectively. In the 5-3 loss to St. Louis, that to me was fully on him the most. That goaltending isn't winning a team a cup. That goaltending isn't winning you a playoff series. It's why I said in the Minnesota Free Agency Preview podcast for them to go get a goalie upgrade. That's worked out for Minnesota. 
In defense of GM Joe Sackett grabbing him, he may have been the only available goalie at the deadline to be able to get. So many teams were still in the playoff mix. A bunch of teams stood pat and weren't buyers nor sellers. I actually think his goalie pickup of Jonas Johansson was a move we should pay more attention to. Now, I hear all of you are saying, yeah, but Johansson lost and gave up four goals in the 4-1 loss to St. Louis. His back-to-back games versus Anaheim, the prior two starts, he allowed one goal against and had a shutout. After that, he never got to play. He did give up four after not playing since April 11th. That's 15 days over two weeks between starts. The other thing to factor in was how the opposing team and the Colorado team in front of Johansson played. I would argue Colorado with a different goalie would have won Saturday's game. However, I don't think they would have won Monday with a different goalie in net. Agree or disagree with me all you want. The goalie order in Colorado should be one, Philip Grubauer, two, Jonas Johansson, three, Devin Dubnik, and if Pavel Frankos were available, I would list him behind Grubauer without playing a game yet this season. In Grubauer, Colorado has championship run caliber goaltending. In Johansson, Colorado could win a first-round playoff series. If that doesn't tell you how instrumental Grubauer's return to form is, and Colorado's 1-2-0 week versus St. Louis was, I don't think it could be much more clearer than that. In the 4-1 loss Monday, Colorado had what I would anticipate to be the top 6D group for the playoffs. They didn't have the compete level we normally see from Colorado. I'm not going to call out any of them. It was collectively uninspired. Coach Bednar has options to sit out guys for guys who came up during injuries like Dan Renouf instead of who played. And if and when Bowen Byram and Jacob McDonald return from injury, the internal competition ought to inspire a better effort from the six that played. Yes, leading goal scorer Miko Rantanen was out, as was Jonas Donskoy. Colorado won the first game by competing better. However, by the 4-1 loss, they were also without Brandon Saad. That does take away the four-line Colorado enjoys when it's two top six guys and a third-liner Donskoy out as well. Let me explain. Andre Burakovsky had to move up to play with Landeskog and McKinnon, leaving Kadri with essentially neither of his linemates with Saad being injured. Guys have to play up to fill those spots, which then affects the third-line dynamic that was already missing Donskoy. And then you're plugging in Kiefer Sherwood and Martin Kaut, who, when Colorado is healthy, well, they aren't even the first three guys up next. Colorado's top nine essentially became a top six with a less competitive bottom six solely because the injuries caught up to the team. They still had the ability to win if they competed as hard as St. Louis did. I also want to be clear, it isn't saying they shouldn't or couldn't win because of the injuries. Two very key St. Louis defensemen were out for St. Louis. St. Louis found a way to win because the guys who played competed harder as a group. St. Louis played like a team that needed to win that game and they do the rest of the way out colorado doesn't need bad habits heading into the playoffs they need to compete like they want to finish first not playing the first round against minnesota or vegas would be as much incentive as you would need to want to finish first so as for the recommended song choice it is about getting back and being better than ever as a healthy team however They do have to compete as hard regardless of who is injured 
and as far as that goes, it's unrealistic to think they will magically all be healthy for game one of the playoffs and stay that way throughout them. That would be great, but with this season, it shouldn't be the expectation. It probably will be a lot like the regular season challenges have been so far. The team's compete level needs to compensate for no matter who is in the lineup collectively. Colorado's team metrics, Colorado's goals allowed, 2.41 stayed ranked third. The goal scored at 3.52 stayed ranked first overall. With an 82% success rate, the penalty kill is 10th ranked, down a spot, while the power play with a 24% success rate stayed 7th. Colorado leads the leagues in shots on goal with 34.5 per game. Colorado remains first in shots on goals allowed with 25.6 per game, continuing to lead the shots for and against metrics league-wide. Colorado's useless factoid. Pay attention to the second period with this Colorado team. They have a goal differential of plus 33 in second periods this year. How they do in the second in goal differential often indicates how close they are playing to their best game as a team as it's usually a strength with this team. Thumbs up, Nathan McKinnon, who scored the lone goal his 19th in the 4-1 loss Monday, extended his current point streak to 14 games played. In the 5-3 loss, McKinnon also had a power play goal nine seconds after he was the one to draw the St. Louis penalty to be able to score it. McKinnon didn't score in the 4-2 win. He just had three assists to lead the team in points in the win. Thumbs down goalie Devin Dubnik in the 5-3 loss to St. Louis Saturday. Dubnik cheats off the post for a pass that goes off of his defender's skate and in the net short side. That gets stopped if he stays on his post. Watch the highlights of Ryan O'Reilly's second goal on the backhander. There is so much open net because of the poor positioning to the shooter, and that's on Dubnik to me too. Finally, Arvin Barbashev's third effort goal. Dubnik needs to have the rebound control for a one-and-done on the initial shot. Having not done that, how about the rebound? Nope. Then that goes off a skate so Barbashev can put it into a yawning net on a third shot. Colorado could have been 2-0 after 1, 3-0 through 2. Instead, it was 3-2 St. Louis after 1. Then the power play goal in the third isn't with the game on the line because the refs can't change the fortunes of a 3-0 game with one bad call. In a 3-all game, they certainly can. In additional Colorado news, as mentioned before, Colorado goalie Philip Grubauer returned to practice. Right winger Jonas Donskoy and Miko Rantanen were removed from the CPRA list, it was reported Monday. 2020 first-round pick defenseman Justin Barron, 25th overall, signed his entry-level contract with Colorado. The 19-year-old was the captain of his junior team this year, the Halifax Moosehead. 33 games played, 8 goals, 23 assists, 31 points, almost a point-per-game player. Barron won a silver with Canada at the 2021 World Junior Championships and had two assists in seven games played in the tourney. Barron did not have as high a profile role as Bowen Byram did as a top pair defenseman for Canada in that tournament. That said, having watched both with keen eyes, Barron was absolutely as advertised in his pre-draft rankings, and his skill set is an absolute complement to Colorado's defensive team game and style. It may be a little longer than Byram or Makar for Barron, but at six foot two, he is going to be a skilled puck moving top four NHL defenseman. Okay, 
Now the not-so-good news for Colorado. Winger Brandon Saad is out two to four weeks with a lower body injury. Still out rookie, left-hand defenseman Bowen Byron, upper body. Right winger Logan O'Connor, lower body. Left winger Matt Calvert, undisclosed. Defenseman Jacob McDonald remain listed on injured reserve. Defenseman Eric Johnson and goalie Pavel Francos remain on long-term injured reserve. Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. How would you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want? I'll have an old-fashioned. I'll have a margarita. Now you can with the Bartesian Home Cocktail Maker. Bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button. Choose from over 50 different cocktails, from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today. You'll always get freshly mixed, perfectly balanced cocktails with the Bartesian Cocktail Maker. And now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday. Entertaining? The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com slash holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com slash holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at Bartesian.com slash holiday. Up next for Colorado, Wednesday at Vegas, Friday and Saturday versus San Jose, and Monday at San Jose. Home record 18-4-2, away 13-7-2. Wednesday starts Colorado's last 10 games of the regular season. Wednesday is one of the two games versus Vegas. The other is now scheduled for May the 10th. Colorado is on a two-game losing streak. Vegas enters the game on a nine-game win streak. Vegas has to lose sometime, right? Maybe? Otherwise, the rest of Colorado's schedule is made up of games against San Jose and L.A. Almost more important is finishing strong with good habits and is first in reach. It is if Colorado beats Vegas because there is no reason not to win the other games they have to play. Still, they have to play them. After the St. Louis games this week, it may not go as rosy as one may think. After a quick timeout, we will come back to look at St. Louis and Arizona on Central Division Hockey, the podcast this week, West Edition. Welcome back to Central Division Hockey, the podcast this week as we continue our look at the West Division. I'm your host, Tim Bigelow. We look at St. Louis now. As you heard earlier, they did win two and only lose one of the three games versus Colorado. Let's take a look at their expanded look in the West Division standings. St. Louis, a 522 point percentage, fourth since the last podcast, 2-1-0. Overall, 21-19-6. 46 games played, 48 points, 135 goals for, 143 goals against, a minus 8 goal differential. St. Louis went 1-2-0 against Colorado. That aided their playoff hopes 
exponentially. Here's a recap of the scores. Thursday, April 22nd was the 4-2 loss versus Colorado. Saturday, April 24th was a 5-3 win versus Colorado. Monday, April 26th was a 4-1 win versus Colorado. The game summaries are in the Colorado segment. St. Louis's game perspective. In St. Louis's 4-2 loss, the compete level was there for both teams, but Colorado led 2-1 after 2, and St. Louis couldn't get the tying goal before Colorado had insurance. In the 5-3 win Saturday, Ryan O'Reilly willed more compete individually and was rewarded with his hat trick. Otherwise, really, Colorado goalie Dubnik had juicy rebound goals against and positionally bad ones, and all St. Louis did was take advantage of the gifts, including the 5-on-3 power play goal in the third that was most instrumental to St. Louis winning. However, in the 4-1 win, St. Louis came to play, worked harder, and as a team won. Don't let the shots fool you. The teams had more equal quality chances, and it was good shots and effort plays that St. Louis scored on as a team and why they led 4-1 through 2 and locked it down to win in the third. The Monday win is from a St. Louis team perspective, the earned team effort that St. Louis fans should appreciate most. St. Louis's overall analysis, background song recommendation, I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. Strength of schedule, I talked about it at length last week for both St. Louis and Arizona. St. Louis is now a point ahead of Arizona with three games in hand like a week ago. However, you can put two wins in the unexpected win column for St. Louis. And spoiler alert, you can put one expected wins for Arizona in the loss column. And that combo moves St. Louis into the fourth and final playoff spot this week. The work isn't done. But let's recalibrate if we solely go on expected wins. St. Louis has three to Arizona's five of the remaining schedule of expected wins. However, St. Louis has seven games they play versus Minnesota five and Vegas two. Arizona has two other games versus Vegas. Sounds like Vegas has control on the fourth and final playoff spot, doesn't it? Not really. But Minnesota to me does. If you have been listening to this point as a St. Louis fan, Minnesota's seven-game win streak is currently only bettered by Vegas's nine-game one. They both have looked on top of their respective games for two weeks now. However, you know who hasn't been on their game? The team that matters to St. Louis in this the most, Arizona. We're going to talk about that more in the next segment, but I asked myself, of those five games, how many is Arizona actually winning of those expected five? It's not five. I'm not a mathlete, but in seven games versus Vegas and Minnesota combined, St. Louis, to me, needs two points because they are up a point already to make the playoffs. One shutout out of nowhere by Jordan Biddington, and he's due for one this season, isn't he? That's two points right there. Or how about just getting a couple of those seven games into overtime and even just picking up loser points in a pair of them, and that would punch St. Louis's ticket into the playoffs. With the two versus Anaheim and one LA, that's six points, and St. Louis is already ahead by one. That means Arizona needs to win four of the expected five to be a point ahead, and that's the best they will actually do. So really, one win or two loser points in five versus Minnesota or the two with Vegas gets St. Louis in. 
not beating both of them, just beating one of them in one of those games. In fact, at this point, it may even be by next week, we will be able to call this simply St. Louis is playing better as the win Monday showed against Colorado. It is more likely they win against playoff-bound teams than Arizona does against non-playoffs ones, such as San Jose, as Arizona showed us this past week. And again, a couple of loser points, even a single win in those seven with Minnesota and Vegas, plus winning over Anaheim twice and LA once, has St. Louis in. Bennington, with his 2.68 goals against average and .910 save percentage, gives St. Louis the goaltending to win every night. Now, the defense was hit hard by both Vince Dunn and Colton Pareko getting re-injured. The replacements came in, Nico Mikola, who has played 21 games this year already. The other was Steven Santini as a playing seventh defenseman, who may be more notable as one of the two defensemen who Nashville received from New Jersey in the P.K. Subban salary dump move, who was then buried in the minors until St. Louis took a flyer on him this offseason to add some minor league depth. To me, that says someone else is actually playing with an injury that is a big enough concern that St. Louis dressed an extra defenseman just in case one of the others couldn't finish the game. Santini is the seventh guy. Mikola, as a bottom pairing guy, well, he's had that role for parts of this season. The forward group has had key players return, and the offense is picking up while the defensive numbers haven't. Tyler Bozak, Robert Thomas, Ivan Barbashev, and St. Louis has closer to the 11 or 12 forward set we expected at the season start. And we really haven't seen it much, if at all, together this season. Only Oscar Sundquist of the forward group isn't available. That's why in the games versus Colorado, you started to see St. Louis hockey of a good forecheck and down low play. The personnel is one part of it. The player's commitment to play in the tough areas paid off. That needs to continue, but if it does, St. Louis can grab essentially a pair of points for the knockout punch, even against the West Division's better teams. The two wins this past week made the path to the playoffs way clearer than a week ago, where they were more likely looking to have to go no worse than 3-4 and four versus Minnesota and Vegas. It's like 2-5-0 and five and oh now, or shit, 1-6-0 and zero to me. That's going to get them in with the two over Anaheim and one over LA games, if you're counting those. It's really eight more points. That's the magic number for St. Louis. The song I won't back down seemed to be like a fitting song for St. Louis. They did put themselves in a hole in the 2019 season to finish strong and end up winning the Stanley Cup. Not saying that happens this year. I will say there are a few wins with a tougher strength of schedule to getting the opportunity to try and do it. They were supposed to be in there in the preseason predictions. Why St. Louis have to take the road less traveled, I don't know. But, like a good Tom Petty track, it does build character. St. Louis's team metrics goal scored 2.89, up a ranked spot to 13th overall. Staying at a tie for 20th is the goals allowed at 3.07. The power play improved two ranked spots to 14th at a 20.7% success rate. The PK fell two spots in consecutive weeks to 29th at a 75.3 kill percentage. 
We said last week the offensive numbers are improving, but the defensive numbers haven't. That still remains true this week as well. St. Louis's useless factoid. Second period goal differential was a topic in the post-game St. Louis interviews after St. Louis's 4-1 win. For good reason, St. Louis was a minus 19 goal differential in the second period heading into that game. Building on the two-goal first, St. Louis outscored Colorado 2-1 in the second to take a 4-1 lead into the third that they made stand. With the games coming up with Minnesota, look to see if St. Louis can build off stronger goal differential second periods and to see if that will help lead to more wins. Thumbs up if you were expecting Ryan O'Reilly. That's like an album's hit song. How about a deep cut? Center right winger Tyler Bozak had three assists and was instrumental in setting up St. Louis's goals in the three games played versus Colorado. And although in the 4-1 win he was held pointless, he played a season-high 22-plus minutes, and he was on the plus side. He represents a number of St. Louis players that are playing like they want to be playoff-bound. Thumbs down penalties over the three games set. St. Louis took 14 penalties versus Colorado, five in the first two games and four in the third game. Colorado went four for 14 on the power play, putting St. Louis's penalty kill at a 71% kill rate. They are, to remind you, at a 75.3 percentage kill rate for the year. That ranks them near the bottom of the NHL, 28th actually, as I said in the team metrics. This is the biggest area St. Louis needs to improve. At 9.3 average penalty minutes per game over the last three games, that is a whole minute per game more than the 8.3 penalty minutes per game average for the season that has them ranked 18th in the league. If the penalty kill isn't good, not taking penalties is a good way to help not having to have to kill them off. In additional news in St. Louis, defenseman Colton Perenko, upper body listed day-to-day. Vince Dunn, undisclosed, is listed as out. Defenseman Carl Gunnarsson, knee and center Oscar Sundquist, leg, are listed on long-term injured reserve. Up next, four games, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday at Minnesota, Monday versus Anaheim. That Anaheim game is the first of a set of two that we will cover in next week's edition. The home record, 9-10-4, away 12, 8, and 2. St. Louis does play better on the road, as the record suggests. Minnesota is playing a franchise best this year at home. Winning these games in Minnesota isn't, as I have explained, a necessity here, but a win here or some loser points, really in combination with taking care of Anaheim, will lead to a playoff berth. If St. Louis went 2-1 and one against Minnesota like they did against Colorado and a win in Anaheim, well, we don't expect St. Louis to do that, but that would all but seal Arizona's fate. This week we have Arizona put last. It's alert status read in Arizona on their playoff hopes. St. Louis has one more point and have three games in hand. Here's the expanded standings look in the West Division at Arizona. Arizona, 480 points percentage fifth since the last podcast, 1-2-0. Overall, 21-23-5, 49 games played, 47 points, 132 goals for, 156 goals against for a minus 24 goal differential. Arizona peppers Minnesota goalie Cam Talbot with 40 shots and fall at home to Minnesota to begin the week. To recap the score, Wednesday, April 21st, a 4-1 loss versus Minnesota. That game summary is in the Minnesota segment at the top of the show. Arizona's game perspective, Cam Talbot was stellar in the win for Minnesota. 
and outdueled Arizona's Darcy Kemper. Arizona could only get one goal in a 12-1 shot on goal advantage early in the game. The game was tied at 1-2, through two, while Arizona had a 31-16 shot on goal advantage. Key saves, big stops by Talbot, and Minnesota took advantage of their opportunities, including a big play from Kirill Kaprizov to score three third-period goals as Talbot shut the door on Arizona. It wasn't simply a case of Arizona getting goalied. It's also factoring in that Kemper couldn't match Talbot on Minnesota's good opportunities. Arizona gets shots and a shutout as they start the road trip in L.A. with a much-needed win. Saturday, April 24th, a 4-0 win at L.A. Let's look at the summary. 6.30 into the first, Arizona's Christian Dvorak's backhand on a 2-on-1 stopped by L.A. goalie Cal Peterson. 12.47 in, Arizona's John Hayden with his first goal of the season opens the scoring. Off the cycle, Derek Broussard's backhand pass from behind the net to the low circle sets up Hayden far side lifted with a wrister. L.A. goes 12 and a half minutes without a shot and goal until 3.20 left in the first. 2.42 left, L.A. drives the net, but is stopped by Arizona goalie Darcy Kemper's poke check. one nothing Arizona after one. 36 seconds into the second, Arizona goal. Lawson Krause gets net front tip on an Alex Goligoski point shot. 8.26 in, Arizona's Krause and L.A.'s Matt Waugh get roughing minors in lieu of wrestling penalties not existing in hockey. 7.15 left, two key saves by Arizona goalie Kemper. Kemper makes a pair of breakaway stops with 6.40 and 4.05 left. Arizona goalie Kemper then makes three saves on an L.A. power play with the last one at 1.37 left. 2 nothing Arizona through two. 4.19 into the third, Arizona's Jacob Chicken walks into a top of circle pass to go short side top shelf with a power play goal missile 730 in Arizona's Dryden Hunt can't stuff the puck in net front 1256 in off of an LA neutral zone turnover it leads to an Arizona goal Phil Kessel's top of circle pinpoint bar down far side cookie jar corner wrister Arizona's Goalie Kemper makes 26 saves for his second shutout of the season in the 4-0 Arizona win. Arizona 40-26 shots. Arizona 1-for-2, LA 0-for-2 on the power play. Arizona's game perspective. Arizona started the game strong and got out to the lead, added the early second goal, and Kemper made most of his key saves, keeping LA off the board in the second especially. Arizona continued to add to the scoreboard in the third and not allow LA back into the game. In this game, Arizona looks like a playoff team good. Arizona gets into a beauty league game and falls to San Jose in a game that playoff points absolutely mattered in. Here's the game summary. Monday, April 26, a 6-4 loss at San Jose. 17 seconds into the first, Arizona goalie Darcy Kemper misplays the puck behind his net. San Jose from the goal line net side put it off an out-of-position Kemper's pad leg, and it gets in to the back of the net as he tries to get back into the crease to open scoring. 3.07 in, San Jose goal on a point shot with a net front screen. Arizona's Christian Fisher has two net front chances with 12.27 left and seven seconds later that he can't score on. The last has a San Jose defender scoop the loose puck out of the goal crease, essentially saving a goal. 10.56 left, Arizona's Fisher can't bury a backhander breakaway on a San Jose neutral zone turnover. 2 nothing. San Jose after one. 
154 into the second. San Jose goal off of a rebound. Put skate to stick and up net front. 319 in. San Jose point shot goal off Arizona's Oliver Ekman Larson sticks. That lifts it short side. That ends Arizona goalie Kemper's night. Four goals against seven saves. Arizona goalie Aiden Hill comes on in relief. 443 in. Arizona's Jacob Chikrin's point shot is tipped net front by Michael Bunting for an Arizona goal. 1005 in. Arizona goal as Clayton Keller has a net side tap in on a Arizona odd man rush that Bunting off the wing puts onto Keller's tape with a cross ice pass. 4-2. San Jose through two. 202 into the third. Arizona off of a faceoff win. Trickrin scores short side roof from the circle for an Arizona goal. 449 in Arizona goalie Hill makes a slot save. 847 in Arizona's Chickren center slot Howitzer is blockered away on an Arizona power play. 843 left San Jose goal after missing an open net. San Jose stick with it and get the puck back into the paint to be lifted up into an open cage. 630 left Arizona's Johan Larson loses the handle on a puck on a breakaway shorthanded. That still goes on net, but it's stopped. Four minutes, 44 seconds left. Arizona's Chikrin follows the rebound of his slot shot as players crash the San Jose crease. Chikrin stuffs his rebound backhand for an Arizona goal. Arizona can't get set up with the goalie pulled late, and San Jose add an empty net goal with nine seconds left for the 6-4 win. 34-25 shots, San Jose. Arizona 0-3, San Jose 0-4 with the power play. Arizona goalie Hill, one goal against 21 saves. He's tagged with the loss as San Jose's fifth goal was Hill's only goal against, and that was the game-winning goal of the game. Arizona game perspective, the first 307 of the game cost Arizona the game and the important two points. There was a lot not to like about this after that. But if you take away those two gifts, Arizona probably wins the game in spite of the beauty league quality, which is San Jose's trademark team no defense play. Their early second period goals weren't great but they were somewhat earned by San Jose. By the time Arizona's goalie was pulled, the hole that Arizona was in was too big to climb out of. Arizona looks like a lottery team good in this game. Arizona's overall analysis, background song recommendation, alert status read by Matthew Good. The San Jose game was an expected Arizona win. Meanwhile, St. Louis grabbed two wins, not expected, on Colorado. The result was St. Louis up a point with three games in hand. Here's the reality. The strength of schedule does still favor Arizona, and it won't matter. Arizona has seven games left. St. Louis has three absolutely expected wins in two versus Anaheim and one against L.A. So take those out of the equation. Both teams have two games versus Vegas, and we just don't expect either Arizona or St. Louis to win those. Although, right now, based on current play, I think St. Louis, more than Arizona, could win one of those or both of those games. Again, we aren't counting them as points. So, if Arizona did better than St. Louis versus Vegas, well, that would impact the way we're looking at this. But I'm not on a fool's errand here. Of the expected five Arizona wins left, three wins will equal St. Louis's three expected and have St. Louis still up a point right now. You see why those two points lost in San Jose are just a buzzkill to Arizona. The fourth expected win gives Arizona one more point than St. Louis, who will simply need to get a loser point versus Minnesota in five games or one against Vegas to match the total. Arizona, therefore, 
has to win out the three left versus San Jose and two versus L.A. Arizona at our max would be three points ahead of St. Louis if Minnesota and Vegas win over St. Louis all seven of those games in regulation. Here's what the Arizona loss to San Jose reminded me. Arizona's a bubble playoff team that looking at the expected wins against the easier strength of schedule advantage Arizona has, they probably won't win the schedule out even against the non-playoff West teams that remain to be played. In fact, I think at best they go 4-1-0, most likely 3-2-0, and the latter, well, that has St. Louis in the playoffs without getting a single point versus Minnesota or Vegas. Let's go then with the 4-1-0 versus San Jose and L.A. St. Louis will still need one win or two loser points versus Vegas and Minnesota to be in the playoffs, so you have to think my money's on St. Louis. The other available points for Arizona is taking them from Vegas. It's not impossible, but it's entirely not probable. The games still have to be played, but this week's schedule, there are two expected wins and two against Vegas, not expected. I would say if Arizona goes 2-2-0, that actually won't get them playoff bound now. They will actually have to beat Vegas. It's more possible Arizona goes one 3-0 this week, and that would essentially eliminate them even if St. Louis were to do the same. Simply, if you aren't ahead of a team that has game in hands, regardless of the strength of schedule, you have to get back in front of them. Even as hard as St. Louis's schedule is, they aren't going to go 0-7-0 against Vegas and Minnesota. To make St. Louis have to go 4-3-0, that would mean Arizona wins over Vegas. And by next week, we'll know the actual outcome of that. The song selection just feels Arizona. Coyotes in the wilderness, the sun will come up tomorrow. And the playoffs for Arizona are at alert status red level, to be sure. Never mind Vegas, Arizona should worry about winning Wednesday's game versus San Jose first. Those expected wins versus San Jose and L.A. points can't actually be counted till Arizona wins those games. And right now, they have to win all of them. If you just go by my Arizona needed to go 7-3-0 in the last 10 theory I talked about last week, that means they need to go 6-1-0 in the games that remain. That means beating Vegas minimally once and winning out. They haven't had a stretch this season that good. Arizona's team metrics tied for 25th in goal scored 2.63. That's down two spots from a week ago. 24th in goals allowed 3.14 down two rank spots consecutive weeks and dropped now five consecutive weeks. The power play is up three spots to 15th at 20.3% while the penalty kill improved to a tie for 16th from 20th at a 79.8 percentage. At 27 shots on goal per game, average Arizona is 30th league-wide in that metric, but they are no longer last. Arizona's useless factoid. Rookie forward Michael Bunting set a new NHL rookie record by playing his first 14 NHL games all on the road. I meant to have had that in last week's podcast. Then Christian Fisher scored his first goal of the season, and I kind of forgot about it. John Hayden scored his first goal of the season this week. Although I still remember Bunting's unique record that absolutely only could happen in an NHL schedule 
like this season. Thumbs up, Arizona starting goalie Darcy Kemper coming back. Definitely, I thought, would help the cause for Arizona's chances to make the playoffs. His 26 save, 4 nothing shutout performance versus L.A., he was at his best, and that's the goaltending Arizona needs to get the final playoff spot. Thumbs down, Arizona starting goalie Darcy Kemper's four goals against and 11 saves in Arizona's 6-4 loss to San Jose in which he got pulled in. The first goal was on him for misplaying the puck. However, the second goal is as well. Prior to the San Jose point shot, Kemper had knocked down San Jose's Evander Kane net front. Kane and then an Arizona defender were then again both net front and clearly Kemper was more preoccupied with Kane than the point shot that went past all three of them. Take away both those soft goals by Kemper and take away the San Jose empty net goal and the score in the game is Arizona 4, San Jose 3. And that's probably the final score if not for the first 307 that Kemper put Arizona down to and unable to be able to come back in. And I didn't think I could have a player in two back-to-back games in a week be both the thumbs up and thumbs down in the same week. But thanks to Darcy Kemper, proving it's entirely possible. In additional news, right winger Connor Garland, lower body, and center Tyler Pitlick, lower body, are listed as out. Goalie Antti Ranta, upper body, defenseman Jordan Gross, lower body, are listed as day-to-day. Up next, four games, Wednesday at San Jose, Friday, Saturday versus Vegas, Monday versus LA. First of two games between the teams we will cover in the next podcast of those LA games. Home, 11-10-3 for Arizona, away 10-13-2. A four-game win streak might save Arizona's playoff hopes. Arizona has not had a four-game win streak this season. I'm Tim Bigelow. Thanks for listening to Central Division Hockey, the podcast this week, West Division Edition. Final podcast thoughts, going to keep it quick. I can't wait to see how these teams find ways to flip the script again by next week in the Wild West. like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want i'll have an old-fashioned i'll have a margarita now you can with the bartesian home cocktail maker bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button choose from over 50 different cocktails from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today you'll always get freshly mixed perfectly balanced cocktails with the bartesian cocktail maker and now get bartesian's best black friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday entertaining The Bartesian is ideal for parties. No need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes. Every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds. The Bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail. Now get Bartesian's best Black Friday deal ever. It's available right now, only at bartesian.com slash holiday. That's B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N dot com slash holiday for Bartesian's best deal ever. Only at bartesian.com slash holiday. 
Tired of long waits and rushed care at the ER and urgent care clinic? Next time, stay home and let Dispatch Health bring the power of the hospital to you. I call Dispatch Health. A care team of medical professionals actually come to your house. They're the same caliber of people that you would see if you were at a hospital or an urgent care. Dispatch Health can treat most non-life-threatening emergencies. They can do the x-rays, they can do stitches. Urinary tract infections, blood tests, urinalysis, ultrasound. It's almost everything that they can do at the ER. You never feel rushed. They're there for you and only you. I felt like their only patient. And it costs no more than a trip to urgent care because Dispatch Health is covered by most insurance, including Medicare. See if we serve your home at DispatchHealth.com. Dispatch Health really went above and beyond. It's wonderful to have care come to your home. House calls are back, and they're better than ever. Learn more at DispatchHealth.com.